0: Our lines
4: are open. Good morning, 1850 You can text or WhatsApp zero eight six two one zero three one zero three. Bernie taking your calls and comments on this Thursday morning. And ahead in the show, we are discussing how hotels are ordering families to leave over the Christmas period. Something that we did discuss and did look at happening earlier on this year. On September, October, we had families who were in emergency accommodation within hotels. And they were telling us that, that the hotel owners were telling them come Christmas they are closing so more than likely they will have to go elsewhere and that is what is happening a lot of hotels close over the Christmas period and because of that now we are seeing families who are finding themselves in the situation of living in a hotel no fault of their own maybe I was explaining earlier to Simon on The Breakfast Show a story I was reading this morning in one of the papers from Up The Country whereby you have a family who have found themselves in a situation of now going into emergency accommodation maybe living in a hotel simply because the apartment they are renting is being sold the new landlord is increasing the rent they can't match the new increase in rent they have kids going to schools nearby and because of all all of that. They have to live in the nearby area. But no suitable accommodation in the area for them. Nothing they can afford anyhow. So because of all of that, they now find themselves in a situation they never thought they would and they're staying with family and friends until they can organise another home for themselves. Uh, not everybody's lucky to be like them whereby they have family and friends nearby and that's why you are in a situation whereby people are ending up in hotel rooms and B&Bs until they can seek out themselves or get help from the stage for accommodation. Anyhow, uh, hotels are closing for Christmas. Some then are booked up they have people coming home for Christmas they are doing Christmas dinners they're booked up for that so they're making room for the guests that have booked well in advance so because of that Uh, We are in a situation whereby people and, and families will be in homeless shelters for Christmas Day. Paul Sheehan from the Simon community will join us on this ongoing problem here in our state. Also, farm incomes have dropped this year by 15%, mainly due to the extreme weather conditions of 2018. We hear also about a new movement called the Beef Plan movement as farmers are continually becoming unhappy about their incomes, particularly farmers with livestock. And because of the year we had and the weather was the big factor here, where we had snow at the start of the year and then drought across the summer and because of that grass growth was low and that did affect people uh, and and farmers in particular uh, dairy farmers and uh, beef farmers. Beef farmers are unhappy when they look to other European countries and see how much they are getting for the price of beef compared here uh, to them in Ireland. So discussing that and this new movement which we're told is going and sweeping across the country farmers joining up in their thousands because of their unhappiness but by what they're getting by way of payment and also uh, on how they have been treated. They feel uh, this year, uh, not by the weather, no one can predict the weather, uh, but by lack of help maybe from others across the stage. Anyhow, we'll hear uh, from that particular movement this morning and what exactly they are doing and what they can do. Uh, no one can predict the weather, but they are unhappy with the level of prices and payments they're getting from marts mainly for beef, but also the impact then that has, because if they're not getting the money at the mart, and then I'm making the money on the ground. Well, money is going to be low, and their income has been hit this year. I think an average farmer, their income is below the average industrial wage this year, and that's mainly due uh, to the extreme weather conditions. That uh, information coming from Chagos who have said though, from 2019, farm incomes should again pick up, and again though, that's all depending on the weather for next year. We didn't get to this yesterday. Busy show yesterday. A lot of calls and comments coming into us on various issues, so we didn't get uh, to discuss the new legislation that is coming in to regulate gift vouchers but that has been stalled due to legal action from gift voucher companies that the new particular legislation was basically going to have gift vouchers valid for five years. So no matter what gift card you got, if it was a particular card You got it is valid for 5 years It won't decrease Some of them If they're 50 euros worth It might go down to 40 euros After a year No it will stay 50 euros For the full 5 years And a gift voucher you get for a shop It might expire after 4 months No it will now be valid for 5 years But That That has been held up because of legal action from gift voucher companies we'll speak with Dermot Jewell from the consumer association about that this morning on the show also our file and pet advice with Jane if you have a question for a pet in your household get it into us 1850 333 103 we'll put that to Jane later in the show and your calls and comments are welcome of course as well on the comment line 1850 333 103 Bernie takes those comments or you can text on whatsapp 0862 103 103 <phone rings>
2: Jingle bell time is a swell time To go gliding in the one horse sleigh Giddy up, jingle horse, pick up your feet Jingle up around the clock Mix and a mingle in the and feet That's the jingle bell ride. Shining, jingle bell time, dancing and prancing in Jingle Bell Square. In the frosty air, what a bright time! It's the right time to rock the night away. Jingle bell time is a swell time to go gliding in the one horse. be jingle the
4: Bobby Helms, Jingle Bell Rock, Christmas hits at C103. A lot of Christmas songs to come over the next number of weeks. And the week up to Christmas, and indeed on Christmas Eve here on this particular show... We're going to a lot more Christmas tunes, but there a lot of them will be the ones, and there'll be Christmas hymns, and maybe not the traditional ones you'll hear on radio every day. Uh, so if you have a particular favourite Christmas song that you would like to hear, let us know. You can email jp at c103.ie. We'll play them across the week up to Christmas, and on Christmas Eve, we have a special edition of the Cork Today show, and we'll be playing a lot more of your favourite Christmas tunes on that particular show as well. So if you have a particular one you would like to hear, let us Know you can email jp at c103.ie. Now, a lot of calls and comments to the show yesterday. Briefly, we did discuss the issue of driving conditions and indeed uh, the way people drive and condition of our roads for a while on the show yesterday. And a few texts came in on the issue of parking and overtaking. And Sandy uh, has something that she wanted to share with listeners. And this is on both. She says, on a number of occasions, I have been driving and saw what appeared to be A vehicle overtaking another with full lights on. Now, this happened near Lep. It was a truck and it was parked on the wrong side of the road with full beams and flashers, which you couldn't see as it was dazzling the oncoming traffic instead of using parking lights with flashers. And that was obviously a hazard to oncoming drivers because then if they were oncoming, uh, they couldn't see what they were facing or what was coming towards them because the actual lights were blocking uh, their view from that particular truck. Also, though, Sandy's asking what is happening in Lep they laid tarmac on the road that was all okay but now they're starting to dig it up again so new tarmac went down everybody happy with that I presume new road surface. But now they're digging it up. Anybody know what's happening there in the Lep area regarding that tarmac? Maybe they put it down and then realised there was something else to go underneath. Broadband, water. I'm not too sure what was going on there. But a seemingly new uh, tarmac was laid down. And I did come across the works a few weeks ago when I was travelling through Lep. And they were working on that. So that's been carried out. But now they're digging up the tarmac again. Sandy asking what's going on there in Lep. If you were in the know, let us know. 1850-333-103. And we had a call yesterday from a listener in Mallow and it was regarding her relative. Her relative quite distressed because she's 95 years old and why she was distressed was there's rats in her hot press. Yeah, Uh, Now she's afraid to stay in the house on her own and it's a council house she's living in so she did contact the council and men from the council came out a few times but I presume when they came out they couldn't locate the rats in the hot press so nothing has happened since so at this stage she did contact us now in the meantime Bernie has got on to the environmental health department and spoke to a man there who is getting on to Cork County Council and then we're hoping the council are going to get in touch with our particular listener we have been on to our listener earlier on yesterday evening and as yet there's been no contact from the councillor maybe there is no contact from the council today but as yet there's been no contact uh, yesterday evening Uh, so we'll keep uh, a watch on what will happen there but not a very nice thing if you know there's rats whatever about mice but rats in her hot press and she's afraid as you understandably would be afraid to stay in a house if there's rats in a particular hot press Anyhow uh, we'll wait and see what will come back there from the council on that particular one Speaking of following up uh, with issues from the council Eileen that spoke with us on the show Tuesday morning Remember Eileen she found herself in a situation whereby she is and has a home in drunk and uh, drunk whereby she has access to the house but she can only get access to it when she is officially approved for the HAP scheme She has a part-time job uh, but to be approved for the house she will need uh, basically confirmation that she's entitled to the HAP scheme so if anything happened to her job uh, that the HAP scheme would be put in place and she would be able to pay the rent on that particular house. But even though she's from Cork her social welfare is paid from Kilmallock and she... is and will live in Limerick and everything she does uh, is dealt with in Limerick where she lives in Cork is just slightly over the Cork border near Charnival. Uh, Limerick County Council won't give her HAP, won't let her access HAP because she's from Cork. And there's no way around this. She has tried everything and tried local T.Ds and everything, but nothing it keeps coming back to a brick wall. Why by they're saying that no, you're not entitled to happen. One stage she was cut off for social welfare. Uh, she's back on social welfare again, but she did lose the Christmas bonus that which she would be entitled to because she was cut off at that particular period. Uh, so that was one upheaval for her, and the second then again getting a no from Limerick County Council by the way we are in touch with the County Council in Limerick Bernie's working on that Uh, what's delaying us there is uh, one of the people that deal with that is actually an annual leave so that's where our delay is coming with that particular situation but we are contacting uh, local councillors as well in Limerick to see if they can speed up this particular situation so uh, that is the update with Eileen we are still working on that story we haven't forgotten about her and we are working behind the scenes to see if we can get her a hap or or even get a letter saying that she's entitled to hap and that, that, that will be coming her way because when she gets entitlement for a HAP uh, then thankfully uh, she will be able to get that particular house in Drumcollar. So that's an update for Eileen and we we, will be following up on that. And something I spotted this morning in the Times and this is how our road authority seems to be turning off lights on motorways. Lighting has been dimmed it seems and also turned off in many of the state's motorway junctions by Transport Infrastructure Ireland and it's in a move that will cut electricity bills by 1 million euros a year. Now the changes began and were introduced this September they were talking about that earlier last year and it is in place now uh, it's following new fittings of lighting systems and they've replaced the old existing lampposts and the older style bulbs now the cost was not overriding for any reason the state did go ahead and they had to change these lighting bulbs to comply with the 2020 EU energy policy that requires Ireland to cut greenhouse gas emissions and that's also one of the reasons why they are dimming down and turning off lights on motorways some will say, well, you've lights in your car, so it's not going to make any difference if you're driving on a, a road with no lights or with lights. But when it comes to junctions, it seems that junctions as well, uh, the lights are switched off. Should they be on? And I ask this because at the roundabout before the Dunkettle roundabout, if you're travelling from the lower Glanmire Road and you're heading towards Dunkettle, but you're turning off also for Glanmire, that particular roundabout, I just presume there was something wrong with the lighting there uh, for the last number of weeks. But the lighting is off there at night time. And we had been contacted by a few drivers Asking, is there a problem with the lighting at that particular roundabout because it's switched off? Not too sure why, we'll check into it, but I wonder, is this one of the reasons? Are they dimming lights and uh, switching lights off at the junctions like that particular one before it's on kettle because they are saving money and they're saving over 1 million euros, but... Is that a good thing then at a junction to have the light switched off? Should you have some type of lighting so people can see the junction they are coming up to? Even though I know you have lights in your cars, but is it safer uh, to have lighting as well at the particular junction? But then they are saving money. Your views are welcome on that. And I'm not too sure how many people would be insured with the insurance company Kudos because they, like others, unfortunately, have gone into liquidation. Hopefully now us, the insurance customers, won't have to pick up the tab for this one. And we've had to over the years with Satanta and PNPA, where there's been a levy on our insurance policies. And again, this one, Kudos, who are a Danish company operating in Ireland, mainly via brokers, dealing with home insurance, motor insurance and haulage insurance, targeting that particular market. And again, you will be going through a broker to deal with them. But... Uh, they are going into liquidation. Not too sure what's going to happen. They didn't have a massive customer base in Ireland. 50,000 Irish insurance customers have been, though, left without a guarantee of cover after the company has shut. But. It's interesting to see what will happen if it will have any effect. It shouldn't have an effect. It shouldn't be another levy for us because they didn't have a large base. But you'd be wondering what will happen uh, with that particular insurance company. And of course, people who were insured with them now very quickly will have to look for insurance elsewhere. And, And finally, we all know vitamin D. And Annalisa Giselle, our resident nutritionist, always marks on this on the show and remarks on how a good vitamin D and helpful it is. It comes from the sun. That's where natural vitamin D comes from. This year, we should have got enough of it. But it seems the older people, don't have enough vitamin C and it's something that can be if you're not going to go out in the sun it can be hard to get but it is one of the reasons why we have a risk of depression in this country and now new research was has been carried out by Trinity College in Dublin it has found that vitamin D deficiency is associated with a 75% increase in the risk of developing depression in those aged 50 or above the study assessed almost 4000 participants and a follow up 4 years later showed that 400 of them were depressed and in this group the vitamin D deficiency was higher than other vitamins it's seemingly only because 8% of older Irish adults have reported taking vitamin D as a supplement and because we don't get enough sunshine in this country we don't get enough natural vitamin D uh, that is why people take the supplement and that is why we have a higher level of depression in this country I know Iceland doesn't Iceland have the the highest depression rate uh, nearly in the world I think because of the lack of sunshine they get and in parts of the year they live in darkness in parts of Ireland or, uh, Iceland uh, all, all year round whereas I think it's from now until February or March uh, that parts of the country are just in entire darkness just the way the uh, they're placed on the earth we're not as bad as that thankfully but still we don't get a lot of sunshine here in Ireland and because of that we do have that issue of a lack of vitamin D this year though you would have think we would have been a bit better because of the summer we had but no it's still a factor we need to factor in at the winter can I say a big congratulations to everybody in St. Coleman's secondary school in Fermoy because yesterday we were live in Fermoy our reporter Fiona Corcoran was there and they released their single Lean On Me it's for one of their fourth year students who's being diagnosed with cancer he's battling cancer at the moment they're raising funds for Crumlin's Children's Hospital where he's receiving treatment Bumbleins, Ronald McDonald House and indeed families affected by cancer their aim was to get this particular song to the Christmas number one they achieved that yesterday afternoon on the iTunes music chart. It reached number one. So well done to everybody in Fermoy, all in St. Colman's. Well done. That particular song, I think it still is, at number one in the iTunes music chart. And you can download that particular song from iTunes, also Spotify. And you can buy it as well on CD in the Fermoy area. Uh, well done there to everybody in the school. We heard the song yesterday we played it again over the course of the next few weeks here on C103. 103. 103 lines open. Bernie takes your comments. You can text or WhatsApp 86 103, 103. Uh, And next, we are going to hear about the situation of people and families who are finding themselves in hotels uh, for emergency accommodation, but for Christmas, where do they go when those hotels close for Christmas or are indeed booked up? Discussing that next. C 103. Call Patricia with your comment. A lot of discussion over the last number of weeks regarding homelessness and what happens at Christmas. We heard from people highlighting the fact that hotels would have no option but to tell people to move out for the Christmas period as some hotels closed or are booked up for Christmas. While well, Paul Sheen from Simon joins me with more info on this as it's making the news uh, this morning. Good morning to you Paul. Good
5: morning John Paul.
4: Uh, Something Paul that I'm sure you're not surprised with. This has happened before and a lot of people will say maybe it's time to look at this problem in August and September because it comes up every year. It happened last year as well. Probably the first year that people were shocked at this. And it seems that families who are in hotels and B&Bs could end up and probably will end up in emergency accommodation this year as those hotels close for Christmas or indeed are booked up.
5: Well, without sounding alarmist, John Paul, there is no emergency accommodation available, unfortunately, because they're all operating at capacity. Um, But, you know, anybody, and it's not just families, but obviously there's a a large uh, number of families in in B&Bs and hotel rooms, uh, anybody in that Accommodation on an emergency basis uh, is already insecure. They already wonder how long they are going to be there. Um, they're already wondering how are they going to get out of there. Um, so you know, this kind of um, talk really just adds to that insecurity, which is unfortunate. I was following the story with interest yesterday, and uh, I note the minister uh, came out yesterday afternoon and said, you know, that that is not the case, there may be one or two isolated cases where hotels or b and are closing for the Christmas period but that everything would be done to try and uh, accommodate those uh, families and those people who are affected in that interim period, but whether or which, you know, people shouldn't be in hotel rooms or b and on an emergency basis at this stage like we're six years into a housing and homeless crisis and we still haven't come to grips with it and I was just looking at the, the figures for Cork and Kerry for October there were 272 people in hotel rooms and B&Bs which is far more than the number of people in emergency accommodation in Cork and Kerry all of which are operating at capacity so that gives you a sense of the scale of the problem
4: Yeah and uh, interesting there what you said uh, repeating what the minister said yesterday evening Uh, okay that might be the situation in some parts of the country worrying here Paul and I wasn't aware of the extent of it uh, and that it's probably got worse in Cork County speaking with local Cork County councillors who are aware of people in hotels and it's quite a lot of hotels obviously not naming areas for obvious reasons Uh but they will have to leave those particular hotels this Christmas and if you were saying the emergency accommodation is full to capacity then that's where the worry is where do these families go because they now know they have to leave the hotels and luckily enough there's very good people in the areas who have got to know them from the hotels and are willing to take some families in if they have family nearby they are taking them in. but then everybody is so lucky.
5: No, and uh, to be fair, it would be up to the local authority to make sure they have somewhere to stay if the hotel or the B and B where they're currently staying is is closing for the Christmas period. Um, that would be their responsibility. But you know. I mean, I think the the point is being lost here is that even if, if you do have a hotel or a B&B room on Christmas, it's nowhere for a family to be at any time of the year, but especially at Christmas. Can you imagine the pressure it's putting on the, the mother or the parents, um, wondering will Santa Claus be able to find us, not being able to put up a Christmas tree, not being able to enjoy any any sense of the christmas festivities and that insecurity hanging over you as to uh, wondering where will you be tomorrow night will you be here will you have somewhere to stay over the next few nights will you have somewhere to stay over christmas that puts enormous pressure on families and it's just not right
4: And it's also not right to think that you would have children at Christmas in a situation whereby they are in a homeless shelter. And I know in the shelters, a lot is done for Christmas. There is the Christmas bearer still there. But unfair on the children to have to be sharing with so many other people. And they probably are enjoying it still. But it's just unfair to think that they're not in their own home for Christmas under their own tree.
5: Yeah, and how far are they enjoying it, John Paul? You know, there there's a family stuck in one room. That's basically what it is, with very limited facilities, not being able to do the normal day-to-day things, domestic chores that all of us take for granted. I mean, there's 118 families in emergency accommodation in Cork and Kerry in October, uh, consisting of 273 children. They're the people who will be affected most over the Christmas period, and they're the people who are feeling, even more so now, the insecurity of of their own accommodation at present.
4: And if they are then, I know the shelters are full to capacity, but if if someone does go to a shelter then for Christmas Day I know you organise a lot there and you you do make Christmas for those people Uh, what happens then after a few weeks when the shelter again is it that they can go back to the same hotel or or how does it work for them because as you say a lot of insecurities for people in that particular situation
5: for the most part John Paul the the relevant local authority would make arrangements with the hotel or the B&B for that family um, or for the individual for that matter Um, and um, you know I'm pretty certain that the local authorities here in Cork will, you know, move mountains to make sure anybody who is currently in a hotel or a B&B room on an emergency basis will not be left outside uh, over the Christmas period if any of those uh, accommodations have to close uh, for that week of Christmas or the two weeks of Christmas. Um, and that would be the normal way of, of uh, how it's done. Um, I think You know, you put your finger on it. You've got a family in one room, um, one parent or two, uh, maybe one or more children. I mean, you even think about just where they're going to get their Christmas dinner. You know, Uh, it's the simple things like that um, that uh, is is putting huge pressure on families. And what we really need to be doing is saying, look, this isn't acceptable. Nobody should be in there long term. Uh, It should be at most and at worst a very very short term arrangement and we need to be looking at housing people stuck in emergency accommodation as quickly as we can and that's what we should be putting our energies into now.
4: What did you make then Of comments by a a Dublin councillor Earlier on this week His name is Rory McGinley He said that he wanted to see Some homeless families Charged up to €50 For staying in hotels and B&Bs It's a story I had to read a few times Because I thought I read it wrong uh, When he said it But it it is comments he made And and he made them again On on radio in Dublin Over the last number of days
5: I saw that yesterday too John Paul And like you I had to reread it a few times Look uh, I mean, we're, we're coming up to local elections in May. Perhaps that's got something to do with it. But doesn't it show you, go, go to show you just the level of inhumanity there is in some parts of our local government? Now, it's local government that is responsible for housing people who are homeless. And if you've got an elected representative um, making comments like that, particularly about families that are probably at the lowest ebb they will ever be, well, that kind of says it all, really.
4: Yeah, and maybe he's playing to a certain part of society because I know I have texts and at the moment from people who are saying that, well, if people find themselves in this situation, why should the state bail them out? I have to pay my mortgage and I have to work hard every day. But a lot of these people are working and it's just a situation whereby, and I'm sure you hear this more so, Paul, firsthand, they could be in a house new landlord he's increasing the rent children are going to nearby schools they have to live in the area can't find a place in the time frame where they have to leave their own apartment or house and for about four to eight weeks they do find themselves in a situation whereby they are the hidden homeless and they are staying with friends and family and some unfortunately don't have the luxury of friends and family nearby and that's how they end up in a situation they never thought they were in so it's not all as I see here from some texts saying it's the down and out you're talking about that isn't what is really happening out there. Well,
5: like, like we appreciate very much, John Paul, that everybody is finding it a struggle to pay for their housing. I mean, that's the whole point about the current homeless crisis, is that the cost of housing has gone out of control. We know that people are struggling to pay mortgages. We know that people are struggling to pay their monthly rent. The people we see are the people who can no longer afford to pay their um, monthly rent, who cannot afford to put a roof over their head. And it's not right to say that people don't pay for their emergency accommodation. Everybody who stays in our emergency accommodation is expected to pay a small amount, either per day or per week. Now, that may come as a surprise to some people but the whole idea of it is is to get people used to the idea of paying rent getting people used to the idea of having to pay for their own housing because quite often the people who are stuck in our emergency shelter have been failed by the state right left and center are coming from broken families quite often are coming from state care so have never never had to pay rent do not have the budgetary skills do not have the skills to live independently and this is all about giving people those skills Uh, but Having said that, if somebody genuinely can't pay, we're not going to turn somebody away, right? If somebody genuinely can't pay for their bed in an emergency shelter of a night, well, then obviously uh, they will be able to stay there the whole point of it is is that people can't afford the housing. One in every three people who are presenting to our soup run are already in private rented housing. Every cent they have is going to keep that roof over their head. They have nothing left for food. They have nothing left for utilities. And that's why they're coming to the soup run. And I can guarantee you, in February or March next year, we're going to see some of those people knocking on our door. I mean, housing is... a commodity in this country. It is, in reality, a basic human need. And until we start looking at housing as a basic human need, we're going to be stuck with this housing and homeless crisis for many more years to come.
4: Okay Paul well uh, for the moment we'll leave it there as you said there's no short term fix for high rents and indeed for supply and we'll wait and see what happens uh, thank you for joining us this morning on the programme that is Paul Sheehan joining us from the Simon community and just giving give an example of what's happening there on the ground across Cork and not only Cork but across the uh, southwest area of this particular country your line, our lines are open uh, your views on that some people have mixed views on the homeless situation I'll get to those comments shortly 1850 333 103 Bernie takes your calls you can text or WhatsApp 086 103 one o three. Farmers, though, they're not happy because farm incomes have dropped this year by 15%. Discussing that next.
3: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Across Cork City and County, this is Cork Today on C103
4: farm incomes. They have been hit this year, mainly due to the extreme weather from snow at the start of the year, the drought across the summer and because of the changing climate its effect on farming, along with other factors, uh, Irish farmers are, have come together over the last number of weeks and years and the Irish farmers with designated land they're holding a meeting in Canturk next week and Jason Fitzgerald is chairman of that particular group. He joins me in studio. Good morning to you Jason. Good
6: morning JP. Uh,
4: thanks for joining us in studio. First of all, this is of what you're calling the beef plan movement and you say it's sweeping across the country at the moment and over the last number of weeks is this because and according to Chagos yesterday the average farm income fell by 15% this year uh, the worst ever and this probably affecting farmers with livestock more so than other farmers
6: Yes, um, I suppose just to correct you on one thing there to start um I'm I am chairman of Irish Farmers Designated Land and um but I suppose the, the meeting in Kentork is, is specifically separate to that it's um a new, the new beef plan movement that you've been talking about and I think it's important to point out at this stage the beef plan movement is um it's not affiliated with any farming organisation, it's to bring farmers together from all farming organisations. Um I suppose yes you pointed out the drop in income in, agri- in, in in farm incomes this year and I don't think that's any surprise to anybody I think the surprise is that it's not higher than that. With the with the, uh, as some people say we've nearly hit three winters and w- one with the b- the bad weather at the start and the drought and now facing into uh, another winter. Um, so I don't think it's any surprise. And I think um, farmers are, are are really feeling uh, feeling the pinch this year. And I, I as I was just kind of pointing out there. Um, I suppose if you look at the price of, of livestock back in, uh, I was just looking at there researching before I came into the, um, in today. Back in 1994, a uh, 500 kg steer was making um, in pounds at that time, 952 pounds, which is equivalent to 1,200 euros. Um, today, that same animal is making 900 euros, uh, a 20, 26% drop in the value of that animal, and yet costs have extremely risen in that period of time. So, so when
4: people are going along to the supermarket to buy their meat, they're paying more. So if it's not going to the farmer, I presume the money is going to the, the processing plant. Is that where it's going Yes, to? I
6: think the whole thing about the the, the whole thing is, is transparency. There is very little transparency in the, in, in the whole area. And I think when you look at um, the research that I've seen is the retailer has a piece of meat. It sits on the shelf for maybe two or three days. But they have about between 50 and 40% of the market share. And yet the processors then have uh, their share, and the farmers' share is down now to about um, 20 to 25%. And that's incredible when you think when we joined the EU back in 1973, the farmers. We're receiving seventy five percent of the consumer price, so what we've seen is a complete drop in the market share that the farmers are receiving for the produce, and the the other the other two areas the processor and the retailer have have increased massively
4: so with the drop in pricing and then you have the bad weather over the last year or so, and you've seen grass growth not being as strong as it would be usually in this country because of the drought in the summer and the snow, as I mentioned earlier on in the year. Uh, Farmers, obviously enough, are under pressure from both of that. And some farmers feel because of the outlying factors of the weather, they're also being asked to produce cattle faster, they feel, and then getting a less return. Uh, How can farmers keep going? Because a lot of people this morning on, on phone and text are blaming the Harvest 2020, which we have spoken about before, which was basically asking farmers to expand and to build more on their land, bring in more animals. And for a lot of people who've done that, it hasn't worked out for them. A lot has been to do with the weather, but also to do with the factors you've mentioned there with pricing.
6: Yeah, I think, look, if you look at the dairy industry, the dairy industry have done really good work on this. They have, um, they have basically, uh, I suppose, perfected an animal now that's producing more solids and is more efficient and is, um, is basically easier to keep, and maintain and probably better for the environment. But on the beef side the The teaching has been completed the opposite way, and it's not the farmers' fault the farmers were um well i suppose they'll take some certain blame, but they've been told to produce a different type of animal. If you look at the beef we'll say the the slaughter killing in, in two thousand will say that on a tonnage let's look at tonnage as opposed to per head we we were we um there was about six hundred thousand ton back in 2000 and today it's only 617,000 that's only a 3% increase. whereas yet when you look at from 2010 onwards the kill has or sorry 2010 to now the kill per head has increased by 10% so what we're doing is we're producing a smaller carcass and more head so if you want to look at the climate change which is a very serious issue that's facing farmers down the road it would make far more both from an environmental point of view and an economic sense to start producing more meat per carcass as opposed to more carcasses and i think where that's very evident is um, we pay farmers very poorly for for shape and and um, i suppose if you want to call it meat to bone in this country if you look if you look out in um, france a farmer receives between the difference between a u-grade animal and no grade animal the 85 cent more in Italy it's 127 cent more but in Ireland it's less than 30 cent so we're in we're not encouraging farmers to produce better quality cattle with more meat we're encouraging to produce more animals which is the wrong way of looking at
4: it and especially when you're looking at the climate change which is going to have a big impact on farming as you mentioned the international market there uh, when you mention France and other countries exports from this country are high for beef but are farmers
6: gaining from that at all or are they getting any gain from the exports from this country absolutely not if you if you look at the last um, I think the government have been at pains to point out the increase in our um, our exports our agriculture exports that they've gone they've risen in 70% up to thirteen and a half billion. Million last year but um, that's since 2009. Farmers haven't received any increase in payment in that period of time. And we've seen their incomes steadily drop, as I've pointed out. And I suppose a, a lot of people will say that yes, but farmers are receiving cap payments. But if we look at the cap payment side of it, back um, 20 years ago, the, the cap payments were up around 60 billion. They've recre- increased to, to 50 billion. And if you look at the percentage, back in 1985, 70% of the cap, bu- or we'll say the EU budget, was was hand, was given towards agriculture last year that was reduced to forty one percent and the coming cap is to go down to be be under thirty percent which is it show, shows that um a lot of people are not tuned into this problem are not concerned about this problem and I think about when you look at the beef production across the world the Argentinian who have less than less low or have lower standards than what we have they're, they're um, I suppose they're planning to increase double the production over the coming years where we're I suppose encouraging people to reduce production and I think on the other side of that you have an Asian market that is 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 looking, which is a huge market that probably w- will have a, an additional capacity for 25% more produce in the coming years.
4: Because people want to buy Irish. They want to buy Irish beef, Irish produce. And the last thing you want to see in the shelves is beef coming in from, as you mentioned, the Argentine market mm. or the Asian market. Could that be a possibility though if farmers are going to reduce what they're outpushing and if they know they can't make money and if the weather is going to be as changeable as it is? Could we see that becoming a reality?
6: Having more foreign beef imports on our uh, supermarket shelves? Well, it's very much reality because, to be honest, if you if you go around talking to farmers and it's been very evident at the meetings I've I've attended to, um, the farmers I I don't I can't see the farmers continuing to go where they are. Certainly, succession is going to be a a huge problem for farmers. I I don't I I see a lot of young people now who have opportunities now. They're they're going to third level where their parents may have not gone in previous, and they're looking at this. And why would they go to an industry where they're pinned down? And I think the whole problem is that we must have a coming together. And I this. The whole idea of this beef plan, if you want, really is, is, if you look at the supermarkets across the European the chains, right? Um, they have huge purchasing power, and the processors have huge purchasing power because they're, we we'll say, you have an an type, um, beef sector in this country where you have two or three controlling the system, whereas yet you have eighty-five thousand farmers feeding that, and unless farmers come together, in a group they will not have the the power that they need to be on an equal terms and, and discussing these issues.
4: Yeah, and I know Chagas are saying that farm incomes are due to recover again next year in 2019. That, of course, all comes down to the weather. What would you say to people then, finally, Jason, who are, are listening to you this morning talking about this and feel maybe the Europe doesn't have the money to subsidise farmers anymore. Uh, the, this particular country cannot subsidise farmers anymore, even though a lot of would say farmers will be spending their money in local county towns. So without the farmer, you will see declining county towns, which is happening in some towns already. And we had this small towns report last week outlining that. Uh, how do you convince people that they need to subsidise farming still when there's a lot of people out there feeling that the money should go elsewhere and that farmers have enough?
6: Well, I, I suppose the the report on Togeshwood said the incomes are down 50%. They're, they're, I think it's 5,000 euros below the, the industrial average. Or yeah, something. but they
4: are also saying they're due to go up next year, depending on whether the farmers will restore uh, prices next year and the figures will go up for farmers.
6: Well, look, um, I suppose really um, I can see them rising um, to that levels. Um, I think what's really about the farmers aren't really looking for more handouts here is all the whole idea this beef plan is about is to the cost of production plus a margin. And I think it's, in, in, in if we were to be honest about things, if farmers were receiving a fair price of what they produced, they wouldn't certainly need cap payments. And I think um, we'll say the cap payments are very important and they've been brought in by Europe to produce a cheap food po- policy. But the problem is it's not... The amount of money that's been given to farmers and it's it's about the price farmers are receiving for their produce and that's the main thing. And look, um, I suppose a lot of people feel that this is the last stand. I think people feel that if, if this doesn't work, um, and farmers do not come together on this issue. And this is not just for beef farmers. This is for dairy farmers as well. Any, pers- any farmer who's producing an animal that goes into the food chain is is, is impacted by this. And I, I, I suppose I feel if there isn't a the coming together of minds in this, that farming is going to lose out in the long
4: term. Okay, Jason, i well, will leave it there. I know you are uh, an MEP hopeful, so maybe if, if you are hopeful in that and a lot going on in Brexit, that will affect farming as well. It's something that you would be raising majorly, I'm sure, in Europe as well, because Brexit will have an impact on Irish farmers I'm sure over the next while well, depending on what the outcome is uh, Jason for the moment thanks for joining us in studio that is Jason Fitzgerald there uh, chairman of the Irish farmers with designated land their meeting going ahead in Kenturk on next Tuesday 12th of December at 8 o'clock on that particular issue of the beef plan and indeed beef prices your views on that are welcome 1850 333 103 text or whatsapp 086 two one zero 103 103 on the way after 11 more of your calls and comments also uh, discussing the new le- legislation which is to Regulate gift vouchers installed stalled though at the moment and much more to come between now and one 1850 333103
0: lines open This is Cork Today Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103 Cork's greatest C103
4: I'm with George Michael last Christmas at C103 on a Thursday morning 1850 103. Our lines are open. Bernie takes your comments. You can always text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 or you can email jp at c103.ie. Still to come we are discussing new legislation to regulate gift vouchers that has been stalled due to legal action from gift co- voucher companies. One of the uh, reasons they're doing this they want gift cards basically to be valid for five years so you get a gift card and it might be worth €50, Euros. you realise if you don't use it within 12 months, it decreases to €40 Euro or something like that. There's a, a decreased charge on it, so it isn't worth the value that you would have got it for or received it for. Uh, and also it would give vouchers you receive for shops, maybe there's a limit on those and you forget to spend it in that particular time while they want everything to be valid and have a, a one rule across all for five years, something they were trying to bring in from the Oireachtas. Uh, unfortunately, it has been delayed now. It was something that was brought forward by a lot of the Consumer associations in this particular country and consumer groups that that operate in Ireland. But it is in a stall at the moment because legal action coming from gift voucher companies who don't want that to go ahead. Anyhow, we'll discuss that very shortly with Dermot Jewell from the Consumer Association. Maybe you have your own story to tell on a voucher or gift card you got. Let us know, 1850 333 103. Now, discussing there uh, before news with Jason Fitzgerald's and it's something that we've got a big reaction on to do with farm incomes that they have dropped this year by 15% mainly due to the extreme weather of this year the snow, at the start of the year, the drought we had over the summer period and how beef farmers are unhappy that if you look to the UK prices there, the farmers are getting 18% more in price compared to here in Ireland. It seems the processing companies are making the money, the farmers are not and us buying the actual meat in the supermarkets are paying more than we would have a number of years ago uh, Jason is chairman of the Irish Farmers with Designated Land and they're organising a meeting about this next week in Cantor on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock it's the Beef Plan Movement is what they are calling it and it's sweeping across the country where a lot of farmers have been on and a lot not happy over what they were told to do and this was regarding the agreement that was made for Harvest 2020 a number of years ago texts here is saying farming is the new bubble ready to burst on the back of Harvest 2020 with cheap loans and big grants to big farmers for expansion but if you were under and operating under 80 cows you get nothing you're deemed not viable and the, what's happened with the milk coat is that has crash land basically on the land few years and it has been penalising small farmers all for the sake of expansion and a lot of farmers are broke because of all these rules and all these new rules that have come in over the last 30 years not to mind uh, the Harvest 2020 i um, what was expected of farmers over the last 3 to 4 years and for some farmers did this and they did expand and now they're in a situation where they're not making money back. A texter on that particular issue say basically saying that it's a new bubble uh, going to burst and blaming Harvest 2020 and Jim saying the farming unions are doing nothing to address the imbalance in farm incomes, it is making sense to pay highly profitable dairy farmers EU payments while the dry stock farmers depend on social welfare to survive. How is that making sense? says Jim on text. Another text here is saying weather conditions affected the overstocked dairy farmers mostly, and this resulted in dairy farmers basically dumping their cows, which in turn encouraged factory cut prices. When factory cut the prices, then these dairy stock are not suitable as they have less flesh than the beef carcass produced for beef. Something Jason mentioned when we were discussing that. He goes, now dairymen are criticising beef producers when they're overstocking and that has resulted in price cuts, not beef producers, says that particular texter to 0862103103 on the issue of farming. I mentioned earlier it was Sandy that texted in asking what is happening in LEP because they tarred the road, Uh, lovely new tar on the road and she was happy with that but now again they're taking up the tar, they're digging up the road and taking up the new tar that they put down. Well a texter who must be in the know has come back to say the tar that has been taken up in LEP is because of soft patches in the road and a base must be put down and then must come back up and another two fresh layers of tar must be put down so that's the reason there a uh, soft patch on the road and they must put down more uh, layers of tarmac on that uh, that's the the reason for that so thank you Texer in the know with what's happening with the road condition there in Lep and I mentioned the fact that the uh, roads authorities are looking and turning off lights And they've done this from September on major motorways and major junctions across the country. A story I spotted today in the Irish Times and Heidi saying uh, that how is this safe? Because, well, switching off the lighting, it might save money because it's saving them over a million euros a year, I think. Uh, But maybe this will cost lives. And a lot of people making the example of driving towards roundabouts in areas they're not familiar with. The lights are off. And even though you have your own car lights on obviously enough you're looking at signposts you're looking at where you should be going you're not familiar with the roundabouts it's pitch black and your car lights will only go so far and obviously you can see oncoming traffic but it's the distraction of coming to a junction with no lights around it a big massive roundabout or a roundabout with three or four lanes going different ways and again no lights and Heidi putting a good point there yeah switching off the lights it might be saving money Uh, but is it saving lives so thank you for your text Heidi and WhatsApp to 0862103103 on the issue of homelessness we spoke with Paul Sheehan from the Simon community and this is what is happening with hotels basically ordering families to leave over the Christmas period a lot of hotels are closed for Christmas or indeed hotels are just booked up for the Christmas period and they have to ask those who were seeking accommodation to leave the hotel and a lot of these people will have to stay with families, friends Uh, I was mentioning emergency shelter be in some parts of the country but here in Cork anyhow it seems that all our shelters are full to capacity at the moment and not only here in Cork, Kerry having the same issue. So in the southwest area of this country, homelessness is a massive problem when you think the shelters at this time of the year are now full to capacity as Paul was outlining. Well, Dan Banahastic was watching a primetime programme about homelessness recently and he said the amount of money we have spent on inquiries and the money that legal people have made on these particular inquiries would have built thousands of homes. So too much red tape and too much legal discussion. Uh, Dan, I suppose you were saying that if that was all out of the way, uh, we could build so many more housing if we weren't bogged down on red tape and legal issues. Jerry jury saying there was a different view. He says, I pay my mortgage every month and I if I don't pay my mortgage, then basically I'll be looking for accommodation elsewhere because the bank will kick me out of my house, my house will be repossessed. Bush. Surely there's people in this state that can't be expecting the government and the state to hand them stuff all the time. It seems to me when we hear those that are homeless or staying on hotels, floors or in hotel bedrooms, they seem to me the type of people who are always looking for handouts and looking for this and that from the state. It's time for us to wise up, look after the people that are in need for accommodation. But if we keep looking after those, that are looking for handouts and looking for free accommodation, the country will be swamped, says Jury on text. His view on the homeless crisis at the moment, 1850 333 lines open. And Irene Infermoy uh, was walking in the city centre last night and she's saying that homelessness is very evident on the city streets. She saw it last night in particular on side streets in the city. So sad she goes to be looking up at the beautiful decorations across the city and then to see people lying and sleeping underneath these Christmas lights uh, Irene said my heart went out to those who were on the streets uh, regarding homelessness so some of your calls and comments on that issue uh, and something totally different and this is to do with parking and Anne is in Ballinora and Anne says her friend went to Ballincaudig yesterday and she parked in a car park in Ballincaudig but she did not realise that it was only for a Times Square customer so the car park she was in is the car park there near Times Square in Ballincaudig now she was a Times Square customer and she did uh, go into shops in the particular area of Times Square and she bought her children with her but when she went elsewhere in Banning College and I presumed then came coming back to Times Square uh, she realised that she was clamped and that she had to pay 120 Euro for the company to come out and remove the clamp now she will never again she says shop in Banning College her 5 year old was crying when they saw the car was being clamped and she also has 4 children to feed at home uh, so it wasn't an ideal situation to be going along to go shopping and then have an upset 5 year old and also forking out 125 euro all because she thought she could park in the car park she did use the shops in Times Square she went elsewhere than in Banning College Came back and was clamped. Now uh, I know the the, I know the car park you're speaking about in Banning College, and I do know there's a sign up warning people of a a time limit. I'm not too sure what that time limit is. Is it an hour? Is it two hours? Uh, I don't know how they manage to monitor people who, when they say it's for Times Square customers only, uh, that probably sign is there and they're encouraging people who aren't going shopping in that particular area Balling colleague, not to park there Uh, but how you monitor that I don't know because if you did shop in shops in Times Square if there was someone watching you well then how do they know that you didn't go and go around the corner to another shop or did they watch you for the entire time and how can they possibly watch everybody that parks in that particular car park that they only shop and spend their money in the shops in Times Square anyhow uh, I don't know how they monitor that and I don't know if there was a time frame did you go over the time frame was it an hour and and did they monitor your car and when you came back you were there parked longer for the hour I'm not too sure as far as I know there's not a display in operation there as in you don't buy a ticket and display it's just you park there and then you're they're they're trusting you to park there for an hour or two hours or whatever the limit is so not to sure what the actual limit is there but I do know there is a limit and was it that because you were over the limit I don't know how they can monitor you if you go elsewhere in balancolic shopping but unfair uh, Anna is saying because had to pay or her friend had to pay 125 euro uh, but what could have been worse for her was her 5 year old crying and was very upset when they saw their particular car clamped and not good to be upsetting children especially this time of the year anyhow uh, maybe somebody else has parked in that car park or someone knows more about that particular car park let us know 1850 333 Three one zero three lines are open. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And can we help this particular person here and on text uh, looking to know? Um, we had a few calls in this, so I have one answer that might help you. Anne, but she wants to know where can she get a one pound or half pound Christmas candle in the Mallow or the Blarney area. So if you know anywhere where you can buy an old uh, or an old pound or a half pound Christmas candle in the Mallow or the Blarney area if you know and can help Anne let us know I know the School of Vera Small in Blarney were producing candles and were producing candle logs so maybe they would have some spare if you want to contact that particular school in Blarney if anybody know where you can get the old pound or half pound Christmas candles in Mallow and Blarney let us know and we'll pass that information on to Anne and just a few mentions here I want to give and I, there's more than coming in to us about various Christmas events so I'll get to those after midday but there's one here that can in very early this morning, and this is for the Buttervent and Liz Griffin annual carol service. It's in Saint Mary's Church in Buttervent. Everybody is welcome to go along, and it's a great way to prepare for the upcoming Christmas season. And that comes in from Peggy from the Buttervent Pastoral Council. Thank you, Peggy, for that. I don't have a date or time, Peggy, so you might come back to us and let us know when that is on. But if you're in the area, you might have seen. Uh Posters or signs up for that anyway, and they're encouraging you to go along to the Buttevant Liscar Lis Griffin annual carol service in Saint Mary's Church in Buttevant, and we'll get a time and date for that, and we'll announce that later in the show. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three lines open. C one zero three jobs. And on today's job spot, opportunities for a person wanted for housekeeping in the Boherbui area for cleaning, laundry, and meal preparation. Contact 086-8712329. A business manager is required for Skibarine Sports and Fitness Centre. Full details are available on their Facebook page and Farm Relief Services in Bandon. They have a number of positions available in the West Cork area for the spring of 2019. You need your own transport and farm experience is essential. Contact 023-8852630 for further information. And that's the latest on jobs. you get more information and more job opportunities now online. Just go to c103.ie for
3: you're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103.
4: Now we always hear from people who receive gift cards for Christmas and then realise a year later they either lost the card or they have found the card and realize that there is less on the card than they thought. It seems for some of these gift cards after 12 months the value of the card reduces. Now the last time we spoke with Dermot Jewell from the Consumer Agency and Consumer Association we mentioned that legislation was to be introduced on this particular matter. We were hoping it would come in before the end of this year or the start of next year but it seems now it's been stalled and Dermot Reid joined me from the Consumer Association good morning to you Dermot morning John Paul and thanks for rejoining us Uh, this was something we did speak about in September and work was ongoing to bring this legislation in which basically would mean that you would have a valid period of more or less five years for every gift voucher and that gift cards basically wouldn't be decreasing after a length of time but uh, we're going to see a stall going on on this because the companies who run these particular cards have gotten involved legally
1: they have um to, to, to there, there was movement there was movement in June where a bill was put forward um which would give a five year um if you like minimum lifespan to credit notes and gift vouchers and what it mentioned at the time was that there would also be direction in relation to how gift cards could be managed because they are different credit notes and credit and gift vouchers usually come with it term... Um, of between three six or twelve months so the focus was to bring a five-year minimum term to those and move on to the gift cards obviously there was work going on in the background but very clearly um as you say the 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 main representative organization for the the most well-known gift card um came forward and said no we're not accepting any regulation to the degree that we're actually seeking legal advice as to whether anybody can regulate what to all intents and purposes are our terms of business and um, so until then um we 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 are rejecting any su- suggestion that regulation be put forward against our business um and that's to all intents and purposes where we stand now but to and i suppose this main company um, would would be very very well known. I mean, everybody—it's—it's it, no secret who who the organisation are. They're a very popular card, it's the one for all organisation. They're clear, they're determined, and um, and what happens with that body is when you buy a card, it's valid. It, it's it's valid for so let's say it's a fifty euro card. After twelve months, from month thirteen on. A monthly administration charge of one euro forty five is deducted. So that's seventeen forty is deducted per year until such a time as either the person who owns the card has the card, finds it, or decides to use it, um, or it, it diminishes fully in value at the at the one forty five per month, which would take. Approximately three years further, for for uh, two years and ten months for it to 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 go to, from fifty euro to nil. Other organisations are standing in the background and watching what's happening because, for example, we have a very well known shopping centre here in Dublin, a very big one, and their gift card deducts three euro per month um, from from the value of the card after after the twelve months. So there's a differential between them. One company is, big company has come forward because it's obviously cha- cha- going to potentially seriously change their business model and their profit margins, and the others are holding back to see what happens. And that's kind of where we are at the moment, which is something of a disappointment because exactly as you've mentioned yourself there, the amount of gift cards that will be purchased over the next number of days will be phenomenal. Um and it's 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 something that's a part of our, our, our whole structure as consumers and how we buy um and it needs to be regulated to some degree.
4: Yeah, and I suppose the gift voucher shop who run one for all and others will say, well, we're a business, we're here to make money, so they will want to make money some way and this is some of the ways that they can make uh, money to keep their business going. But the one thing here is, uh, Dermot, a lot of these submissions that, that came in to change this law came from the public because the public were asked to make uh, submissions on this. So the, ch- the change would have come from those who were buying the vouchers and the big thing here also is a lot of those vouchers that people are buying, bigger companies run them for chambers across the country. So, For example, Mallow Chamber have an actual agreement, I think, with the gift voucher shop company. And those schemes as well will be impacted.
1: Yes, very, very much so. So, And and this is why, you know, it really does show just how much is at stake here. And we've been saying from the outset, John Paul, which I think listeners need to understand, the whole idea of terms and conditions in relation to a credit card, a gift voucher or any um, a credit note or anything, they've always all been determined by business. There is no law or legality around it currently whatsoever. If it, the, the suggestion or the idea which exists at the moment is that if you give €50 euro in hard cash across a counter, or more, as is often the case, somebody in retail has, to, in, in a particular store or a particular business has free reign to determine, okay, we'll give you a piece of paper, that says that you can come back here any time in the next 12 months and we'll give you something to the value of the 50 euro. But after that, it's worth nothing. That's ridiculous and ludicrous. And it's similar in 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 a sense with gift cards. Now, the only lack of similarity is that as opposed to 6 or 12 months and it devaluing to nil, the, the gift card companies are, are are using, I suppose, the argument that, well, that's not the way we operate. We just deduct a small administration amount each month because if, for example, unlike the store, if it was to close, there is we have an insurance there that guarantees that whatever the balance is, you're going to get it. But they're missing the... Well, they're not missing the point. The point in all of this, as you quite correctly pointed out, is that a lot of consumers are still unhappy with the fact that it may only be €17.40 a year that's being deducted, but they're sort of suggesting, well, if there are thousands, and I mean hundreds of thousands of consumers buying these, surely it could be €3 or €4 a year. Usually, economy of scale drives the prices down. Why am I paying 145 a month? And nobody's answering that. And this is where a balance needs to be brought in. But... The challenge in the terms of how can you dictate how somebody runs that business—it's an interesting one, and it'll be a kind of a key one to watch. And I think what would have helped dramatically would have been if the bill, in terms of the credit notes and gift vouchers, had continued. And once that was put in place, there would be something to benchmark an argument against. Gift card companies charging more or putting a lesser lifestyle, a lifespan on a gift card.
4: And what about the gift vouchers Then you receive from a shop outside of the card? Something that you mentioned when you joined us a few months ago was they were yes. also looking at putting a, a kind of a general time frame of five years or something like that anyway on gift vouchers so that if you got a gift voucher and it was for a one month or two months uh, then you find it later and it's out of date you can't use it. Is that being looked at? Is that something that could be coming in regarding gift vouchers outside of the cards now where a shop owner would write the actual voucher on a piece of paper and hand it to someone but you're still handing over to your €50 Euro to that particular shop.
1: Yeah, that was the goal. The goal of the bill in, in June of this year was that by, hopefully, December of this, around this time, the bill would have gone through and it would have made any credit note, any gift voucher, any gift token um, valid for a, fi- a minimum of five years. But because the gift card element was brought in within the bill, the Whole thing has stopped. Everything is
4: delayed. All oh, right. Yeah, so it's all going to be is delayed. A great so. shame. And you were hoping that that would be brought in maybe by Christmas, but at this stage now it doesn't look like it will be. So, a warning to people if they are getting gift cards and gift vouchers to be aware of the decline in them over time and also of the expiry date for a gift voucher. I suppose, spend it as, as soon as you can, really, Dermot, will be the message right. at the moment for, for yeah. people. Yeah, to make sure they get their value out of it. And one question here has come in from Esther, uh, listening in Kilcolly. She got a gift card card voucher for her birthday years ago she lost the actual gift card but now she's found it just yesterday it was from 2013 now on the actual gift card it says it does not have any expiry date so n- nothing written anywhere on it to say that you can't use it after so many years so is she safe to use it I wonder I would nearly ring the, the place that it's for first of all and check it
1: you're entirely right the thing to do is to ring the place because in fairness and it's it's only right that I point this out there are a lot of stores out there who have issued vouchers and credit notes, etc. And they're they're not concerned about what date they put on them. They will give you the value and they will give you the credit because they want your custom and they want you to come back. So, yes, get in touch. Tell them what's happened. Tell them this later and, and see... Um, what value that will give you for it? It should be very reasonable.
4: Okay, Dermot, we'll watch this and what happens with this particular legislation because, as you say, interesting by the fact from the company's point of view, telling them what to do with their business, their terms and conditions. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what comes out from that, uh, Dermot. For the moment, thanks for joining us this morning. Pleasure. Thank you, Dermot Judo, there uh, from the Consumer Association. Your views on that? Um, warning to those who are going to be purchasing gift cards this Christmas or gift vouchers: the message simply is, use them once you get the gift card or gift voucher use it and particularly with the Christmas sales you might get yourself a real bargain after Christmas so if you get one use it as soon as you can 1850 333 103 lines open text or whatsapp 086-2-103-103 I did mention that Carl service earlier in Buttervent and I can tell you now that is going ahead on Sunday the 9th of December at 7 o'clock in St Mary's Church in Buttevant and thanks to Peggy there from Buttevant Pastoral Council for passing on that information On the way we're discussing the latest crimes in the Cork area Our Garda File is next
3: Stay in touch with what's happening in Cork C103
4: And time for this week's Garda File I'm joined by Garda Don Davis from Bantry Garda Station Good morning to you Don
7: Good morning, John Paul. How are you?
4: I'm fine, thanks. Now we'll start with crime, first of all, from the area this week. And you want to start with a theft from a parked car at O'Callaghan Place in Dripsy, and this occurred last Wednesday night.
7: Perfect, John Paul. And thankfully, uh, crime is is very slack, which is great for us to be able to report. So going back to last Wednesday night, sometime during the night hours between 12 midnight and 7am, at O'Callaghan Place in Dripsy, just a parked car was broken into there. So you'd never know Paul. someone going home after a night out or someone walking past O'Callan Place may have seen something. So we would love if the public may have just, uh, you know, think in their memory. And any time at all between 12 midnight and 7am, if they saw anyone acting suspiciously or a car acting out of place, we would be delighted to
4: hear from them. Yeah and a timely reminder as well I suppose Don for people at Christmas to be careful leaving valuables in parked cars even if it's a car outside their home because what we're seeing at the moment is people shopping in their local town or in the city uh, they're way down with bags they go back to the car put them in the boot put them in the back of the seat or whatever if they're in the back of the seat they're on display but unfortunately again like every year people are watching the parked cars and they're watching what people are putting into their particular car and we're seeing break-ins in some areas uh, whereby thieves are on the lookout so just be careful and be mindful at this time of the year
7: I think so and you said it all there John Paul look it's just to be careful keep all valuables out of view if at all possible put them in the boot if they can at all there are going to be opportunities thieves between here and Christmas looking for opportunities so look let's not take a chance and let's not make it easy for them because that's what they're looking for they're looking for easy opportunities so keep everything out of view if you can at all John Paul
4: and you have an attempted burglary this was in Bandon last Sunday night into Monday morning
7: perfect, yeah, uh, an attempted burglary there at a film station at Ballyangley in Bandon last Sunday night into Monday morning. Approximately half-twelve at night when they were closing up. And really what, what we were interested in is just that if anyone may have seen a dark coloured Audi A3 with tinted windows. No Now, unfortunately, jump Paul, that's not much to go on, but around 12.30am last Sunday night into Monday morning if anyone was passing through Bandon, maybe has dash a uh, camera on their dash or anything like that. We'd love to hear from them, so we're looking for a dark coloured Audi A3 with tinted windows, somewhere around Ballyang- Ballyangley and Bandon at twelve thirty am last Sunday into Monday morning.
4: Okay, and we have advice this week for parents and younger people and this is in relation Don, to cyberbullying as something that unfortunately is uh, still big at the moment with all the various social media platforms and first of all we want to offer some advice to parents because at various times of the year there's a spike in this and it could be for one reason or another that this will be brought to either parent's attention or a teacher's attention and the worst thing is I suppose done bullying, when it goes online it never leaves you, it follows you home from the school or if you're in school or wherever because you you constantly have access to that online platform
7: 100% correct John Paul I suppose go back years gone by when we would have discussed bullying it would have been maybe when you're away from home in the schoolyard but now it's 24 hours a day unfortunately very young children have access to smartphones, have, have access to all sorts of devices. So they're susceptible to, to cyberbullying, unfortunately, 24 hours a day now nearly, which is very unfortunate. So just, a, I suppose, a small bit of brief uh, advice that, you know, we, we constantly get phone calls on how they should handle things or what should you say or so on and so forth. So just a little bit of advice for parents, I suppose. First and foremost, you know, if a young person comes to them, you must praise the young person for coming and trusting them to come to them. That the very fact that they're coming to you with a problem in the first place, I think that's most important. Secondly, I would say to reassure the young person, like, that there's loads of other young people out there, very similar to themselves, that this is a problem that's going on every day of the week, and, uh, you know, not, that, that it's not something uh, just specific to themselves, okay? I think the third one, John Paul, is something that, you know, is very important, you know, you know that you listen to the young person, hear what their problems are, hear exactly what's going on, as opposed to trying to interrogate the young person, because, unfortunately, I think it's a natural instinct with us that, you know, our son or daughter came with a problem we kind of interrogate them to find out what's going on so I would just say listen to them try and get the full story because if you try and interrogate them it might just damage your, the trust that they're at the place yeah. in you in the first place you
4: Yeah know? because they, it's a big step for them to go and reach out to their parents or any adult saying that this is happening to them and admitting that they're being bullied and that the bully's on the winning side and trying to control that emotion as well so going to somebody is a big step for them
7: 100%, 100%, and they should be encouraged uh, for, for doing that. And I suppose, uh, you know, if someone does come to you, you got to make it clear to that young person like that you you are going to have to follow through on that information, that in order for to get help for that young person, you're going to have to speak to somebody else. Maybe, be, maybe the guards, it may be the teachers, it may be the school or it may be, you know, the parents of the young person who may be involved in this particular incident. So just to make it clear to them that they can't keep this information to themselves, that they must in order to help the young person use that information and get in touch with somebody else.
4: Yeah, and not to be fearful of it going to the relative authorities because they're there to help and, you know, the backlash is what the young person will be worried about but the authorities would look into that and the schools also would be monitoring that from the school. But then from the parents' point of view and the authorities' point of view, advice for the young person themselves because they're the one going through this and they're the one that might Be even though they haven't brought this among themselves, how do they stop this happening to them or how can they prevent this from happening to others? So advice for the young people is important too, Don.
7: It is, John Paul, and I suppose, look, we are in and out of schools on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, trying to put this message out to young people. But, you know, it's still no harm to kind of, you know, reiterate a very simple few basic points. The first point I would make is, you know, tell the young person that they must not reply to bullies online. So if they're being bullied or something is happening, yes, of course, Report to someone, but do not reply back to these people online. So that would be the first point, which is very important. The second piece of advice I would give John Paul is to keep some sort of a record of what's happening. In other words, keep a screenshot of whatever the relevant bullying may be, or keep the messages as if it's a text message, but keep some proof of whatever's taking place online. The third piece of advice, John Paul, is to block the bully group, either through the phones or social networks or through chat rooms, but block them from access to your particular devices. And finally, the young person must report it to somebody in order to get the help that's necessary and that, you know, someone can can deal with this and the relevant authority can deal with it. So they must report it to somebody. That might be a teacher, might be a parent, might be some other trusted adult, or might be a sibling. But they're the four points for a young person. So I'll just fly through them again, John because it is important if any parent is listening to give this advice. So tell the young person not to reply back to the bully online. Keep a record of the messages or take a screenshot of whatever the relevant social media bullying may be. Block the bully from whatever predictor sites they may be and encourage the young person to report the problem, John Paul. Yeah, and as
4: you mentioned there, you're going around to schools, you're hearing firsthand what is happening. A lot of this responsibility could go back as well to those running social media sites, Don. I'm sure you would agree with that, that the fact that there's so many of them out there now and we know the big ones like Instagram, Facebook, but there's so many other ones that people aren't aware of and their chat rooms, as you mentioned, uh, the onus should go back to them as well. Is it something that you as the Gardaí have looked at to target social media websites as well and maybe the information you're giving here could be put to them so that they take some responsibility
7: you're 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 dead right John Paul, and it is very important that we do get that information back from schools, parents or even young people that there are issues out there with predictor chat rooms, so we can take it to the relevant trained people within Angara Chicana who then can go to the relevant companies. All those big companies that you mentioned are all very easy to deal with, except there are small ones coming up every day of the week, a different one will appear and a different one will appear. So it's very important that if there are some issues going out there with these sites, that they are reported back to us so we can then contact them directly.
4: Yeah, and it's just horrible to think that, you know, you, you you finish school, if it is happening within the school, it follows you home online. But to think that people out there are doing this and getting a kick from cyberbullying and, and from bullying some particular person, because it, it can affect somebody later on in life. And that's why you're going into the schools trying to stop it from happening. And I presume that the talks when you go in there, Don, it's not only the people who could be affected. You're also getting into the mindset of those who could be and could be about to become a bully for some reason or another.
7: Oh, absolutely. And quite often when we get invited into a particular school, it, there might be that exactly maybe the reason why we're there. that We might know that there's a backstory to the reason why we're there. So you get an opportunity to speak to both sides. And sometimes that's all is necessary in a particular situation. And the whole that can be dealt with there and then, which is brilliant for schools to, to, to be able to invite us in, you know.
4: Yeah, and then from you showing your your advice, first of all, but also the experience from what's happened where maybe you're in another school you've been in, it, it could prevent that happening in that particular school or to a particular individual. Anyhow, for the moment, uh, Don, thanks for joining us this morning. Good advice there. Uh, that is uh, Garda Don Davis joining us from Bantry Garda Station. 1850 Our lines are open. Your pet questions are welcome now because Jane will be joining us uh, later, just after 12.30 regarding your pet questions. Any pet questions you have for Jane bring them to us Because we'll answer those After 12.30 If there's some pet in your house Feeling unwell Well let us know We'll bring that Jane coming along After 12.30 Here with your pet questions Get them into us Text or WhatsApp 86 Or indeed You can call Bernie 1850-333-103 and A lot of reaction To our chat With Dermot Jewell From the Consumer Association Regarding gift vouchers And gift cards We'll bring you a lot of the comments After midday uh, People having various Experiences with both vouchers and indeed with gift cards. So a lot of people are not happy the way they run as well. We'll get to those comments after midday and comments also on other issues. I mentioned the tarmac earlier in LEP. I got the answer to that, but people now aren't happy uh, because of the way, and they're rightly so not happy. And it's something I was thinking about when I was reading out the explanation there because they put down tarmac in LEP and then they had to dig it back up again because there was a soft patch on the road. Uh, but a lot of people Making the point Well if there was A soft patch on the road Why didn't they know That beforehand And are they wasting money Anyhow A lot of calls On that as well And other issues In other parts of our roads And your calls and comments Are welcome And pet questions Welcome as well 1850-333-103 Your pet questions To Bernie Because Jane Pickett Of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital In Newmarket Will join us After 12.30 You can text those questions To 0862-103-103 Or email JP At c103.ie
0: Work today with Patricia Messenger on C103.
4: It's I Wood With Wizards. I wish it could be Christmas every day A nice Christmas song And because I am Playing a Christmas song How would you like To wane those Get up and go diaries Remember there A few weeks ago We spoke with Brendan Sands Who produces Those particular diaries they're very uh, positive Irish diaries and they have a positive note for every day. A huge demand for these across the country. You could win three of those now. If you wish, you can text your name, address where you are right now, text or WhatsApp 862 2103 Three of those get up and go diaries to give away. We'll give you the winners of those shortly here but for about 10 15 minutes, text lines open for that particular diaries. Uh, text or WhatsApp 862 103 103. Now, I spoke earlier there with Dermot Jules from the Consumer Association regarding gift cards. People aren't happy with the gift cards or gift vouchers they receive, uh, mainly because the gift cards, first of all, uh, the, the limit on them—let's uh, say if it's fifty euros—it does decrease after twelve months, and people are unhappy with that. But this happened to John in Skibbereen, who got one of those all-for-one cards that Dermot spoke about, and he feels that the money was taken off before the 12 months was out so he says if people are getting them they should exchange them for other in-store cards towards the end because John was in TK Maxx and he said they exchanged the particular card that he had for their own in-store card and he didn't incur any fee with the particular TK Maxx card or transferring it over so a tip there from John if you are have one of those uh, one for all cards and you know that it's coming to the end of the 12 months and that you will lose the value uh, as Dermot mentioned and you can, at the moment there's no getting round of that well John and Skibereen got his exchange for the in-store shop Well, he was in TK Maxx. maybe others do the same no charge there and no incurring fee with them uh, so he got his value and uh, obviously just for that particular shop but if he was in there spending his money anyway it made more sense to use a voucher rather than spending his money if his own voucher had decreased in value and Kay says uh, on the one for all gift cards retailers also have to pay a percentage she thinks it's about two percent of the value for them uh, to the in to be in the one for all gift card group. So to be in the particular group, you have to pay a, a, a kind of a subscription, I suppose, which in a way makes sense. So your name is included on listings and that type of thing. Uh, but she says one of her friends got loads of gift cards for her 50th a few years ago. And she was keeping all the particular cards to buy herself something really nice. Unfortunately, she kept them too long. Uh, the charges had eaten up most of the value of the cards oh god your poor friend Kay Uh, so I'm not too sure how much the value or how much her gift cards were worth after they decreased over the 12 months Uh, but hopefully she got something nice out of them anyhow but yeah that's what happens and you're nearly better off as ever mentioned to use them as soon as you get them use them Uh, Anne says what about where one has a voucher and it states it's valid for 12 months and the business closes for 4 months of the year What are my rights then? Uh, says Anne interesting one Anne from hearing Dermot over the years I would presume that and there's nothing written on the voucher you can only use that particular voucher when that business is open so even though it is closed for four months of the year and it's valid for 12 months whenever you get the voucher it's unfortunate if you get the voucher and they are closed at that particular point or they're just about to close but once they reopen I would use that particular voucher I presume it's a restaurant or something you're speaking about I would uh, use it once they reopen and that's the only way I can think of around that because if the business closes and at the moment the case has been taken and has been discussed in the Shannon and the Doyle at the moment basically uh, they're looking at terms and conditions at businesses but that hasn't changed yet so if that business wants to close they can do that so I would for the moment anyhow until the law changes use that particular card while they're open Bush. I don't think you have much of a leg to stand on when they're closed for four months. If they're closed, they're closed and you, you can't use uh, the particular card when it's just for that particular business why they are closed. So I would say use it when they reopen or just about before they close. And I mentioned earlier on, this was to do with the road in Lep. Sandy was on to us earlier on this morning. She was asking, the road in Lep is being tarred and guess what? They dug up the tar. And the reason then we got in from somebody in the know was because there were soft patches on the road in LEP. And because there were soft patches on the road, they had to re We dig, first of all, dig up the road and re tar the road again. Even though tar was initially put down, they had to do the whole job again. A lot of people were on asking, well, is this a waste of money uh, redoing a road? Why didn't the engineer spot that first time round? Another texter here saying, how come the soft patches in that road in LEP were not seen until? expensive loads of tarmac were laid with accompanying labour and machinery costs who is responsible for ensuring our roads are suitable for overlaying with tarmac and what penalty will they face we have a 60k limit from Roscarbury and a 1k we have 60k limit from Roscarbury, one kilometre west of Lep and also at Barley Hill in Roscarbury, we had a 160k limit simultaneously at the same time so I presume you had a, a sign for 100k And then was there a sign after that for 60k? On the same stretch of road then, we had frequent speed van checks. Now, it seems to be all 60k because of all those particular works. And as the... Tarmac has to be relayed. The works will continue so that 60k remains in place, which means for a road that was in part 100k, people now have to do 60k. And the speed van is located conveniently enough in the area where it is 60k. And uh, the council in the last while, I'm not too sure, I didn't see a notice on that particular road. I did see a notice uh, for the Cork to Mallor Road when the 60k sign was put up. Uh, People were asking when the speed vans were there must you obey or do the speed vans can they catch you for doing over 60k because the speed limit was what we all thought was a temporary speed limit and does the main speed limit still apply for speed vans but we checked it with the council and no uh, it was a speed limit put down for the works on the Cork to Road and everybody had to obey the 60k limit and you could have been fined if you were driving over that and I presume that the similar situation is the same here uh, between Ross-Carmory and LEP if they have uh, the speed limit now at 60k and they are official signs up you could be caught for doing over that but again yeah, as you mentioned the speed vans seem to head to those areas where the road works are going on uh, and if you're familiar with the road or if it's nighttime and there's no traffic on the road and even not a 60k of course you're going to be tempted to do 100k in a road that you always would do 100k if it's safe to do 100k People will go above sixty, but if there's a speed van and the the road is usually one hundred k, yeah, the speed van is there and uh, they can catch people. So just beware of that. It was an issue on the Cork to Mallow road, and I presume it's a similar issue uh, for those travelling from Ross Carberry to Lep. When we checked the Mallow one, anyhow, it was an issue, and I, I would just presume the same laws apply uh, for that particular situation. So beware. And again, interesting that speed vans appear in these situations. And a, a taxpayer here who says an annoyed car. Taxpayer. At the junction near the Danone factory, this is in McCroom now, the junction near the Danone factory is being tarred at the moment and the road near Macalona Bridge and Upsleaving Hill is a disgrace. Uh, it's so worn. I wonder has the council any notion of repairing it at the moment uh, from a very annoyed car taxpayer. So, the junction, uh, yeah, and, and that was being worked on near that particular factory. Uh, but other areas around it, this texture saying, are just basically worn away. And have the council any notion of doing anything? We'll, we'll check with, uh, and maybe there's any councillors in the McCroom area listening, uh, take notion of that particular road uh, near Sleaving Hill. Uh, listeners saying it's worn, uh, but we'll check with the council if they're planning to do works on that particular road. Uh, also, Sticking with traffic issues, uh, this is to do with traffic lights. It's in Mitchellstown and a texter saying, I would like to know what is wrong with the traffic lights in Mitchellstown. When the lights go red, all is okay, But when the lights go green, only one works and the other goes blank. So I presume the bulb is gone in the other traffic light. But this listener is saying an accident will happen because they are not fixed that way over the light, like that way over the like, the last month or so, if they are not fixed soon, an accident will happen because I presume the light that is blown, people aren't sure what's happening. Either they're driving through the lights if they don't see anything on the light they might think they're out of service it's a concerned Mitchell Sound listener texting here on this who's concerned about those driving through that particular junction and their safety uh, we'll get that checked out uh, for you again I would presume a bulb blown there but if depending on what way the light is and not too sure of what traffic light is out if you're coming from that particular junction and you see nothing you could be tempted to drive on if you think uh, that the lights aren't working or that they're not in order there could be a power cut or something like that I know some lights flash amber but not all of them do when there is a power cut we'll check that out regarding the lights in Mitchellstown. and uh, one has the green working one hasn't but this listener is saying it is uh, a safety concern because people are going to think the lights are out and they'll drive through them uh, thank you for your uh, text on that 0862 103, 103 keep your calls and texts coming because Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket is along after 12.30 uh, she'll be answering all your pet questions so if you have a question for a Pesh in your household get it into us now on those numbers I call Barney 1850
0: 333 103
4: The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses, supporting
3: communities, serving Cork. Visit Corkcoco.ie.
4: And the Cope Foundation in Mallow. They're holding their craft fair and coffee morning that is running today up till 1.30 p.m. It's at their workshop in Quartertown near Mallow. Raffle also with great prizes. Everyone is welcome there until 1.30 today. And Jigsaw will hold a talk in Mallow Town Library. That's at 6 o'clock this evening. It's a 60-minute talk called Supporting Young People's Mental Health. It's a free event for parents or guardians who are interested in or worried about young people's mental health. And Mallow Fields Club, they're launching their journal it's number 36, it's at the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow that launches tonight at 8 o'clock. It'll be chaired by the state solicitor Frank Nine and refreshments will be served. And Kinsale Lions Club, they're hosting a table quiz at Atkins Hotel in Kinsale that's going ahead this evening with monies raised they'll be given to several local charities including Marymount Hospice the Youth, GAA and the CUH Children's Club all Welcome there this evening In Kinsale And Joel Kennedy Will present his Christmas music programme That's in the music room In Borher Bui From 8 o'clock this evening A great festive evening Of music and cheer Is assured there In Borher Bui They have a raffle there As well on the night And a musical recital in Aid of Hope Foundation Will be held In Innishannon Christ Church That's starting at 7.30 this evening Bingo is on tonight In Bandon G A pavilion At 9 o'clock Jackpot there Is 600 euros And something going on Tomorrow evening Is that the Christmas lights They will be switched on In Burnford Village Tomorrow evening And they're switched on There in Burnford At 8 o'clock tomorrow and keep your calls and comments coming to us on that particular number also your pet questions are welcome because Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in New Markish will join us shortly answering all your pet questions so get them to us as well you can do that to Bernie 1850 333103 or you can text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103. and a lot of people very delighted today because I mentioned this earlier and we were live yesterday from the school our reporter Fiona Cochran was live at St. Coleman Secondary School in Fermoy they were yesterday raising funds and they will be for the entire Christmas because one of their students and one of their friends a fourth year boy unfortunately diagnosed with cancer and his classmates came together and the entire school and they released a single called Lean On Me the aim is to get the single to the Christmas number one spot they achieved that they got it to the number one spot. Yeah, it is number one on the iTunes music charts. A great news for them. They were releasing the actual single yesterday. We were there for the launch. You heard it live here on our particular show yesterday, just after eleven o'clock. They're raising money for four amazing charities Crumlins Children's Hospital, also Bumbleands, Ronald McDonald's House and Families Affected by Cancer. So well done to all there at St Coleman's Secondary School in Fermoy. And we brought you the song yesterday and we'll play it again over the course of the weeks up to Christmas. Um no, a lot of people have been on to me by the way over the last while looking for mentions for various uh, things so well uh uh, get us through as many as I can in the next few minutes uh, first of all hi to Michael in Castletown uh, he wants us to remind listeners of the Christmas fundraising dance it's an age of the Irish Community Air Ambulance it's in the Beira Coast Hotel in Castle Bear and that is going ahead tomorrow night the 7th of December music by Martin Kearney and Derry Kennedy the doors open there at 9 o'clock dancing from 9.30 to midnight tickets are 10 euros and again all in age of the Irish Community Air Ambulance So thank you Michael for that and also so Liam has been on and uh, he's reminding people that the Palace Players at the Village Arts Centre in Kilworth uh, with Where Is This Malabar by Liam Howard uh, the prior of course to their All-Ireland appearance this weekend at uh, Kilmuckridge they're going to be joined tonight in a double bill in the Gunpowder DG Banning Collegue or by the Gunpowder uh, Drama Group in Banning Collegue and they'll be starting there at 8.30 tonight that goes ahead in the Village Arts Centre in Kilworth from 8pm tonight so uh, the Palace Palace players doing very well right across the country so if you want to go along there uh, to the Village Arts Centre tonight catch them which where is this Malabar by Liam Howard and of course that is prior to their All-Ireland appearance which is this weekend in Kilmuckridge and tonight they're going to be joined by the Gun Potter Drama Group from Banning College so that's again 8 o'clock sharp well done to everybody there In the Palace players a big achievement for them there in Kilworth uh, because, you know, it's hard to get into those particular drama finals, and they have done so, and they've won so many there over the last while, and getting to this particular stage again. So well done to all there in Kilworth on that. And also from Kilworth to Charnival we've been asked to mention the three tenors they are in concert and that's going ahead uh, this coming Saturday evening in the Holy Cross Church in Charnival from 8.15pm uh, tickets can be got from J.P. Moran's or the Oriel on the Main Street in Charnival or you can get more information from the parish office also that's the three tenors in concert in Charnival this coming Saturday at the Holy Cross Church there in Charnival uh, our lines are open 1850-333-103 I was mentioned there are the various on our roadways and the speed vans that are located in areas whereby there's roadworks going on and the speed will have decreased from 100k to 60k and because of that people not that are annoyed uh, but they're questioning what speed should they be going at and when this happened on the Cork to Mallow Road, we checked it out the last time and when the speed was changed for roadworks, we were told that you have to obey the new speed for the roadworks and that speed was 60k. So I presume that it remains in place in the left ross area as well. And people are saying at this stage because the roadworks are going on so long, they're travelling 60k on that stretch of road now for a good few months and they're wondering whatever this will end and obviously it delays people. If the road is normally 100k, now it's 60k for a few months, people are hoping that it will go back to the 100k sooner. But speed vans, a lot of people are saying, are speed vans are only supposed to be placed in black spots? And, and John's saying you would think speed vans should be placed in areas where an accident would happen but why then are they insisting and if locals know, noticing speed vans appearing more so and more frequently on the roads where the road works are being carried out and the speed has been reduced? How are these roads a black spot if the speed limit has been reduced, asked John. Uh, and you have to agree with a lot of our callers and texters, uh, particularly on the Cork Mallow Road, a road I travel every day and we're well aware where the speed vans are located at this stage. Uh, you would question the locations of the speed vans and we have before and we've been told there are accident black spots. The particular areas I have seen the speed vans, I haven't seen an accident on that particular part of the road. Elsewhere, you would. Uh, for me, they seem to be when you're, as you're coming on a fast lane and you're coming to the end of that fast lane, they all seem to be around either the start of a fast lane or the end of a fast lane. No, maybe there has been accidents there over the years, and there probably has, uh, but it has there been the level of accidents to justify a speed van being there where there has been other parts of that particular road whereby there has been accidents? and you don't see the speed vans in those areas. Now, it might be to do with you can't park the speed vans in that particular area, uh, but yeah, they are supposed to be in black spots and dangerous spots and accident-prone spots, and they are to reduce speed, uh, but you would question the location of where they are a lot of the time, only because if you're on a fast lane or coming down off a fast lane or entering a fast lane, some people, you do have to pick up speed. If you are passing out a slow moving vehicle going uphill and that's where a lot of people get annoyed with that they are facing a situation they get penalty points because they were overtaking the vehicle and had to get power to go up the hill to overtake on a fast lane now you should always obey by the speed limit and we're not condoning that everybody should be sticking with whatever the speed limit is on the road 100k 120 but some people do feel and it's been mentioned before and they have tried to change the laws and I know Connor Faulkner from AA has mentioned fishing in a barrel so many times to Watson that have been in consultation about this with so many uh, in in government about the particular situation and the location of speed vans but yeah listeners pick it up on that and you're not far wrong by saying uh, that there should be only in accident prone areas and sometimes you would question where they are placed on our roadways and they are there to reduce speed and they have proven that they are reducing speed and people are supposedly anyhow driving safer and slowing down because of these speed vans but there is people also who were annoyed that they are located in areas that aren't accident prone spots and a bit of fishing in a barrel. Anyhow, uh, thanks for your calls and texts on that. 1850 333 103. Or indeed, you can text on WhatsApp 086 103. Keep your questions coming pet wise as well. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us shortly. On the issue of speed vans and speed limits, texts are saying that Ross Carberry to Road are mentioning at Barley Hill, there was confusion there at one stage because. There was a different speed limit on each side of the centre of the white line. And this was when there was no roadworks going on. They then changed the 100k sign to 60k at the weekend. So it's sorted now. But for a long while, you had one sign at one side of the road saying 60k and the other side at the other side of the road uh, saying 100k. So a lot of confusion there. And another person saying, yeah, that issue on Barley Hill was only changed last Thursday. There could be no justification for this. As there was no roadworks at the time on the hill and in recent times at the bottom it's 100k just beyond the speed van spot so before the decline on the hill there is a sign which says ends of roadworks so a lot of confusion wasn't there, there in that particular stretch of road having two particular speed signs one for 60 one for 100 sorted now but it did cause confusion especially if there's a speed van in the area as well uh, Hi to Philip on text Thank you letting us know that today is St. Nicholas Day patron of children pawnbrokers and archers amongst another few group, other groups as well so a happy feast day to one of them says Philip Thank you for that on text and well done to our winners who have won themselves those get up and go diaries uh, a lot of people interested in this so thank you uh, for all your texts and whatsapps so and well done to Anne O'Reilly in White Church, Catherine O'Shea in Mill Street and Paula Coughlin from Bantry all winning yourselves to one of those get up and go diaries we'll give away more of those between now and Christmas here at C103 pet questions welcome uh, Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket she will join us next uh, call Bernie with your pet questions 1850 333 103 or text or whatsapp 86 2103 103, 103.
3: Across Cork City and County This is Cork Today On C103
4: And Jane Pickett Of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital In Newmarket Part of the Military Veterinary Group Joins me in studio Good afternoon to you Jane Hi there And a lot of questions In today A little busy one We're straight into The the questions for today And we're starting off With another Jane In McCroom Now she's the sheepdog And this particular sheepdog Was in heat last week uh, But she saw a male dog Mating with her own dog Now she doesn't want on pups but she's wondering is it too late now to get the dog neutered
8: I think we do have a little bit of a window of time when neutering dogs now normally I would say when a dog is on heat is not the best time to neuter it at all so neutering is great um, it can Obviously, avoid litters of puppies and certainly the right thing to do from that perspective. But it does have other knock on benefits. So we know that dogs that are neutered have a lower incidence of breast cancer later on in life. So that's really useful. And when they're neutered, they don't have a uterus. So they can't get life threatening womb infections. So spaying is definitely a great thing to do. Spaying around the time of heat is not the best thing to do purely because we want to make the surgery as safe as possible and when we're in heat our blood vessels get bigger and our uterus or womb gets a little bit bigger making the surgery a little bit more complex. So I would normally suggest waiting about 12 weeks after the dog's heat. And that's so that the roller coaster of hormones associated with going into heat, but also it gives the uterus time to shrink down a little bit, making everything a little bit less complex.
4: OK, hopefully that helps Jane there in McCroom. And Margaret uh, is wondering, what is the best warm dose for her little dog? Now, uh, she's wondering, can she crush it up? And is it OK to do this? Because it's not easy to give it to her dog. He's a mixed breed. He's a Jack Russell.
8: mm Tableting small dogs can be a real challenge. They are wriggly. They're like tiny little ninjas that never want to be tableted. (laughs) There's a few options. Now, crushing them is usually an option. I say usually because I'm not sure exactly which brand of tablet you have. So if you have the packaging of the tablet, it'll probably say... If it can't be crushed, it'll probably be stated and that might just be because it has a coating on it. The vast majority of them can be crushed and mixed into food, but there are other products on the market that can make things a little bit easier as well. I know there's chewable ones on the market that are meant to taste like all manner of things like beef and chicken and turkey, etc. So it makes it a little bit more palatable rather than being, let's say, a dusty tablet like normal. But if you have a small dog as well, there are liquid wormers that are available Um that might be a little bit easier to pop into his mouth and get down the hatch rather than grinding it up. But I'd say check your packaging. If you're in any doubt, speak to where you bought it from, from the vet. But I'd say you're probably safe enough to give it a go.
4: Okay. and John is asking, is it unusual for a cat to lose their two lower teeth?
8: Mm, It depends. I wouldn't say that as a pattern of tooth loss, the two lower teeth would be the things I would be expecting. Like, I think over time, if a cat or a dog of any type has poor oral dental health if they have lots of tartar and as a result infection of the gums they can lose teeth from anywhere I wouldn't specifically expect it in a certain place it can be a bit random to be honest um, I think if you are noticing teeth loss and certainly if there's any pain on eating or if you notice they're a little bit li- a little bit reluctant to eat their food like they normally would pop along to your vet because it may be a dental exam that's needed
4: Okay and would cats have a, have a um, I suppose a Hunting—if they were hunting out in the boat, could that lead to teeth mm. chewing, trying to get it, at a bird or, or a mouse or whatever? It
8: could be possibly, but I think teeth are fairly re- robust. I suppose they're all kind of—we've yeah. we've evolved over the years to be well designed <laughs> yeah. for what we're what we're doing. So, a cat hunting—I wouldn't imagine a normal hunting and you know retrieving prey would cause any trauma to the teeth. But certainly, if there was any accident, like you know getting caught in something mm. or a road traffic accident, that can cause loss of teeth.
4: Okay, Carol is a Middleton. Her dog, he seems to be at his feet the whole time. And what it looks like, Carol says, is that he's chewing his feet. Why would he do this? And is there any reason behind this? She can't figure out what he's up to.
8: Dogs are different to us in the sense of if we're itching and scratching, we classically itch and scratch. Whereas dogs don't have... Hands in the same way that we do. So they generally manifest by scratching with their back feet on their body, but chewing at their feet as well. So I would suggest that the chewing that you're seeing of the feet is probably not habit or probably not anything, you know, behavioural I would say it's probably a symptom of itchiness now there's a number of things that can cause itchiness the most common would be parasites so fleas, mites lice that's easily dealt with Um, just pop along to your vet your chemist and get a good parasite um, preventative and treat him with that but what I would say is if that's not working it's worth popping along to your vet because lots of little dogs particularly ones that bite and itch and lick at their feet tend to have an underlying skin allergy and that's something that we need to be able to help them out with
4: OK, so there's a reason why they're doing that. Definitely and, and, a reason. And that could be one of them. Uh, Tom is in McCroom. His cat has been very ill of late and he's lost a lot of weight. Now, he's wondering, is there any special type of cat food for convalescing cats? The cat has trouble keeping down his food at the moment. So is, is there something out there in the market that could help uh, Tom's cat?
8: I think this is, this is one particularly that's worried me. So if our cat has been a little bit ill recently and vomiting and we're losing weight as a result it's not just kind of a, a stomach bug as you would say and um, that will pass over in a day or two it sounds like a longer term problem This will be something that would really worry me Um, particularly if there's weight loss. I would say rather than attempting to manage it with a diet I think we need to pop along to the vet to have an exam and perhaps some tests to make sure that there's not an underlying problem. Now problems that can cause weight loss particularly in older cats I don't know whether this is an older or young cat but you can have problems with the liver and kidneys over time sometimes hormone problems which are things that we need to be able to deal with that can manifest as weight loss. So I think pop to your vet and
4: rule out any problems. Just rule out anything. Yeah. yeah. And I have a picture here I don't know if you can see this on the screen in front of me. It's a question for for you regarding the breed. Is a Cavachon? Is that right? And they want to know: Can they cut the dog's hair in front of both his eyes? And as you can see from yeah. the photo they've given us, the the hair is really kind of growing out over the eyes. And is it safe to do that?
8: It is. I I think. Yeah, if, if I had hairy eyes I'd want to be able to see out um, So I think that's fine uh, What I One word of caution Would be If you're not experienced With doing any cutting Around the face of hair It's probably safest To pop to your groomer Now I know Having had a long hair dog myself And attempting to do it myself I am not a groomer So I think it's best Left to the experts But if you do want To give it a go at home Just be incredibly careful Because where we are Is very close to the eyes And obviously that's very sensitive and we can't tell the dog To sit still
4: Yeah and I presume <laughs> The dog and he looks like a young age dog yeah. as well they'll be very wiry they'll want to jump around they won't be happy with you cutting your no. their hair uh, and as you say the eyes are very close and you don't yes. want an accident to happen
8: i think best left to the expert if it was me unless you're feeling safer. very brave <laughs>
4: <laughs> Let's be safer for that anthony's analogies he has a collie cross it's one year old but his collie cross is chasing cars and has begun to start chasing cars now is there any way he can stop the dog from doing this
8: No, car chasing is a real challenge. Once it starts, you have to think about from the mentality of the dog, they're trying to protect their family and their own territory. So they're woofing and woofing and chasing this car away. And every time the car drives past, so every time they feel they have succeeded. So it's really reinforcing that behaviour every time, every single time they do a car chase, it's really instilling that behaviour and the benefits of that behaviour in their own mind because they think they're winning and being a really good doggo and keeping their family safe. It's very challenging to break because of that positive reinforcement. I would say the best thing I could do is prevent access to the road. Now, I know that's not always possible. Um, Distraction is a really good thing as well. Really kind of wearing them out, taking them on lots of walks and loads of playtime. So they're kind of getting that mental fulfillment elsewhere. But I really think restriction away from the road is the safest thing because we do find that dogs that chase cars, they tend to be the ones that end up in car accidents.
4: Yeah, and it's very hard to get them out of that at a young age. So you're better off to keep them away from the road. And once they're away from the road, as they get older, they won't have the necessity or the energy to lose chasing cars. Not as
8: much. I think if you can break the habit a little bit by removing them away from the dangerous road situation, if possible, and kind of wearing them out and giving them lots of entertainment other than chasing cars, then that's the best way.
4: Yeah, and nothing worse if you are on the road. And and we've heard recently there in the last few weeks of people driving where a dog, for one reason or another, Mm. could have been scared and runs out in front of a car. And in some cases, you hands were if there's an no. oncoming car so unfortunately uh, the dog does lose out and it's an awful situation for it anybody is. to be in uh, a person here, no name on this but they have a 5 year old Sitsu. she seems to be breathing funny sometimes uh, but any idea what could be causing this for their 5 year old?
8: For a 5 year old chitsu Tzu there are a few things that could be causing it now it could be that she's hot sitting beside the fire and there's a little bit of panting that could be kind of periodic funny breathing well, what I would say is if there's no cough or anything like that that suggests that there might be uh, an infection or a kennel cough or anything like that, sometimes we can have problems with the lungs themselves, um, just kind of chronic airway disease, and that can lead to funny breathing patterns. But one really important thing to ensure is not the case in this little shit case would be to make sure that it's not any problem with the heart. Sometimes we can get faster breathing or funny breathing when a dog might have heart disease. And essentially, the heart is just a pump and it moves fluid around the body. And sometimes when the heart is not perfect, we can get fluid build up in funny places like the lungs and that can lead to funny breathing so I think there are a number of options it may be absolutely nothing to worry about whatsoever it could just be a different situation but I think without seeing or a little shit it was very difficult to say so I think I'd recommend popping to your vet to be safe
4: Okay and Anna's in Carrick too Uh, she wants to know any idea for a dog that gets a type of rash her dog has a very little skin on his ear but it looks like there's a rash now after appearing on the ear and she Mm -hmm. wants to know how she can get rid of the rash and where it came from
0: Mm.
8: with a rash on the ear tip now it can be parasites sometimes so some parasites like to live in certain places one particularly a little mite called sarcoptes um, loves to live on the ear tips and the back of the elbows it lives in certain places and it makes them go very bald and rashy so I would suggest certainly doing a preventative parasite treatment your usual little spot on or the tablet as recommended by your vet there are other things that can cause problems now what we might have going on in this situation if we have a little bit of a rash going on in the ears is it could be self trauma so it could be that he has itchy ear canal so an ear infection itself and he might be scratching in private at the ears and causing a little bit of trauma and Mm. a rash on the ear tips so there's a number of things going on so I'd say first of all preventative parasite treatment just in case it is a little mite causing problems but secondly if that's not settling I'd take him to your vet to look into the ears themselves in case there is any
4: infection causing bother And can that cause hearing problems for the dog at this stage,
8: hearing problems are a little bit of a grey area. So, very much like in humans, we do suspect that they do get hearing deterioration. I certainly, certainly, my own dog Sherry, she says, deaf as a doorknob, can't <laughs> hear a blind bit, um, and that does happen over age testing hearing loss is very challenging it is possible but it's only available in specialist centres we don't normally inco- encounter hearing loss with an ear infection or anything like that normally it just blows over and heals up they might yeah. be a little bit little bit deaf for a little while whilst it's being sorted out but generally we don't encounter any long term problems OK well
4: hopefully for Ann Carrick too it'll all be OK for her mm. uh, Jane thank you for again for answering all of those questions back again with us next week Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group that's it for us. Patricia is back with you tomorrow from 10am with cork today my thanks to bernie murphy who produced a lot of comments in we'll pick up those comments across the afternoon and bring you more of your views tomorrow from 10 a.m on cork today until then enjoy your thursday afternoons i'm john paul mcnamara
3: even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free
0: shipping and 365-day returns. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind.